Hello everyone. Welcome to Reddit Readings. I have to apologize for being very slow with the uploads recently. The honest reason why is because I have put many many hours and late nights in this, so I got greedy. I started a YouTube channel to try to make some money of this, but that quickly took away all my time to make the podcast episodes. But I soon realized that that is not the path I want to go. I want to fill a spot in the market, which is to make Reddit content in listening format. So now I'm going all in on the podcast again. If you want to see Reddit content on YouTube, there's plenty to choose from. LOL. I'm going to try to upload as frequently as I can, while still maintaining good quality. As of now the podcast will remain ad-free, but who knows what the future brings. I'm thinking about making a Patreon, so people can support my work, if they feel like it, but I'm not sure yet. Anyways, I'm back. Thank you for sticking around. Let's go on with the episode. Today we are listening to Pro Revenges. Enjoy. Reddit Readings, Episode 60 With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My uncle took revenge on behalf of my parents. As the title gives away, this didn't happen to me. This is the story of how my uncle avenged my parents. My parents had me when they were plenty young. They were not teens anymore, but had barely left that age bracket. My mom and dad met in college. That was also when they had me. So while my parents were in their courses, I mostly stayed with my grandparents. The whole family lives in the same area, and the college was not that far away. My parents were still young and liked to go out with friends on occasion. When the following happened I was a few years old. On occasion, they frequented a bar. A drunk guy there groped my mom and did not take a no as a no. My dad intervened and stopped the guy. And half an hour later all seemed forgotten. The music was loud, the bar was crowded, and then someone in the crowd hit my dad with an empty glass pitcher square in the face. He was bleeding profusely and collapsed. But in the press, semi-darkness and over the music no one knew who did it. My dad got taken to the hospital. He had a broken nose and a heavy concussion. He also couldn't see who had attacked him, and his memory between the alcohol and being hit in the head was also very fuzzy. Of course, they had considered the guy who had harassed my mom, but they didn't know him, nor did they see him anywhere leading up to the moment, let alone have any evidence. So they pressed charges against unknown. But there was virtually nothing anyone could do. But then a few days later the piece of crap that had harassed my mom approached her on campus. Turns out he was in the same college as my parents. He made a few veiled comments and left little doubt that it had been him that hit my dad in the face. And the piece of garbage let my mom know that my dad next time should mind his manners. And that the little touching he had done didn't hurt anyone and wasn't that bad. And if he wanted to do it again, he would, and maybe more. And then the piece of crap went on his merry way. My mom was horrified of course. She went home and told my grandparents, my dad, his parents. But no one could do anything. And my mom hadn't even gotten the guy's name. 
My mom cried a lot at that time and didn't know what to do. She also was afraid of going to classes or out alone. I honestly only remember that time very scarcely. I was just a little kid. But I can remember my dad in the hospital and with his broken nose and my mom crying a lot. My dad, of course, was just as angry and humiliated as my mom. No one knew what to do and everyone was treading on eggshells around each other. But that is where my uncle enters the stage. My uncle, my mom's brother, lived on the other side of the country. He was a private investigator. And he was, of course, the last to hear the full story. But the moment he heard someone had threatened his little sister, he was on his way home. After hearing the full story my uncle knew it would likely be hard to get the guy on the harassment, the assault or the threats. Having no evidence, my uncle had my mom point the guy out from afar on campus. It took a few days to find him. But then my uncle started to stalk that piece of human filth. My uncle took sick days, all his vacation, and invested every second possible to find out everything about the harasser. My uncle even approached the pig in another bar and became drinking buddies with him. Over several weeks my uncle had uncovered all manners of illicit behavior. Possession, consumption, and distribution of drugs, theft, and a few other misdemeanors and small time stuff. And my uncle could have put him away for that. But my uncle always said when asked about that if he sent the asshole to prison, it would be for molesting my mom and hurting my dad. And that is what he did. One night while out with his new buddy drinking, my uncle made the idiot piss drunk and they landed in my uncle's motel room. He got the harasser to incriminate himself on video, rattling off a list of illegal shit he was up to. My uncle had, of course, pretended to be a crook too. Among the stories asshole told was the story of how he groped some chick and brained her dude with a pitcher of beer. Now, something needs to be said. In my country of course recording someone in secret is illegal and under some conditions, like if the police does it, it is not a permissible piece of evidence in court. But as a private investigator my uncle knew that laws for that exactly. But paradoxically the situation is different if it is not only audio but also video. And my uncle had the asshole on camera confessing. The next day my uncle turned himself into the police with all his collected evidence. Because secretly filming people was still a crime. Though the video could be used as evidence in court. As my uncle was not affiliated with the police or any other governmental agency. When the criminal trial and the civil trial were over the asshole got 6 years in prison. And had to pay damages to my mom and dad. And my uncle got slapped with the equivalent of a $2,000 fine for secretly filming the asshole. Money well spent he always said. Scam me for $80 for cleaning on move out. I don't think so Jack. Background. About 10 years ago my landlord died. Or at least the person who owned the place we were renting. The property managers had been delightful. But whoever inherited wanted to sell. So the house was for sale. Enter a jackass, we'll call him Jack, who decides to buy the place. Now ours was the top floor, i.e., attic converted into a suite of a house, less than 35 square meters. The bathroom was literally where the stairs up to the top floor used to be. The place was tiny. Jack came to check out the place, as you should, before buying a place. He had one of those Bluetooth earpieces in, and I can't even remember if he even acknowledged us. He spent about 30 to 45 seconds in our suite. Next time we hear from him is about a month later. Apparently he bought the place. 
he stops by to give us a notice of rent increase, effective in 6 months, legal minimum. From $485 to $795. The place is not worth that much. We say nuts to that, and decide to buy a house, since what the hell it's not much more per month. Surprise to anyone who's never bought a house, it was more than just mortgage payments. We give him all the required notice to move out. We move and clean the place up really well. Mind you, when my partner moved in it was not especially clean, and we happen to have the move-in inspection which mentions this. Jack decides to try to scam us for $80 of our damage deposit for cleaning. He doesn't provide the required forms, just says, I'm going to hold $80 from your damage deposit for cleaning. We respond with, um, no, you're not. Jack, assuming we need the cash for our next damage deposit or bills, and will settle for anything, take this or I'm going to keep your whole deposit. Cue revenge, so he decides to just keep the whole deposit, $485. I file paperwork with the rentalsman, who unsurprisingly, after their investigation, rule in my favor. He's ordered to refund the whole deposit, but Jack decides not to pay, and the rentalsman doesn't have any enforcement powers. So I have to go to the local sheriff's office. They can send a legal demand letter for the deposit plus costs. But it will cost me $100 up front. Sure, go ahead. Jack decides to ignore the sheriff's kindly letter. Sheriffs say that they can start proceedings to recover the debt plus costs. But I again have to pay up front about $250. And it might take quite a while. I guess most people quit at this point. Being out of pocket about $700, throwing more money at the problem and maybe having to wait months didn't appeal to them. And there's also a chance you never collect. I chose to pay the sheriffs. They sent another, less friendly letter to Jack. But here's the best part, now that they're recovering a debt, they're going to recover on all of the outstanding judgments against him. And apparently he has tried this shit before. They sent him another couple letters, pay up or else. Jack chose else. Then they seize title to Jack's giant white SUV, I can't remember what it was, but not a cheap one. They didn't physically take it away or anything, but they gave him 30 days to pay all the judgments against him, or they would take it and sell it at auction. Somehow he all of a sudden found the money. My share, 485 plus 150 plus 250 equals 885 dollars. The other people who'd registered judgments, but not paid to start the collections processes were about $5,000 more. I can't remember how long the whole process took, at least 6 months though. How my cousin, and I got a photographer locked up for revenge porn. So this all started about 3 years ago. My cousin, who lives in Arizona, always had a desire, to have professional nude photos taken. She thought it'd be nice to have something for her husband to look at from when she was in her prime as they aged together. Also I think it kinda turned her on. However my cousin had no desire to have those photos publicly published. After a few years of chewing on this idea, she decided she was going to do it. She went out looking for a photographer. She had a tight budget and ended up going with this one man who quoted her $300 for a one hour photo shoot. He didn't mind taking nude pictures of her. 
However she asked him if he had any agreement or something that would keep those photos confidential. He said he did not. She asked him if she wrote up an agreement basically stating the photos he takes of her cannot be saved on any of his devices and the SD card needs to be given to her and that she should be the only person with a copy of the photos and if he'd agree to that. His only request was that she buy the SD card herself. So she agreed. He sent her what kind of SD card she should buy and she bought it. She also wrote up an agreement in which the following was agreed upon and signed. Photoshoot was to last one hour. He would be paid $300. He would edit six pictures of her choosing, airbrushing slash making her look better etc. He would also print those six photos. She would supply the SD card. He would also delete any photos of her from any device he has. The photos he takes of her after he's done should not be saved to any device he owns and the only copy should be on the SD card when he gives her the SD card. He not allowed to share those photos with anyone for any reason and those photos belong to her only. Agreement was signed. Photo shoot happened. Photos were edited. She got her SD card. All things well and good my cousin figured that was that. Obviously we all know this isn't the end, but just the start otherwise I wouldn't be posting here. About 6 months after the photo shoot the photographer contacts her and says he has copies of her photos and knows a website he can sell them to for $500 and if she doesn't want that, she needs to pay him $500. My cousin calls me and asks me what I think she should do as I'm pretty good at handling dynamic situations. I did some googling and come to find out this could be considered revenge porn and that's illegal in the state of Arizona. In fact, it's a felony which means jail time. Also obviously this would be considered blackmail which is also a felony. So I tell my cousin to do this, don't pay him, if you pay him once there is nothing stopping him from trying to get you to pay again. Remind him that you are both in the state of Arizona and that it's a felony to distribute revenge porn. Remind him that you had a signed agreement in which he agreed the photos he took of her, he would not save a copy and he would never publish anywhere. Remind him if he publishes your photos, you will post him on blast throughout the social media world. She said thanks. I thought this was the end of that story. But about 6 months later I'm on reddit. On my porn reddit account, I have a reddit account I only use to subscribe to porn subreddits to keep my main account clear of porn and I'm whacking off and I'm in one of the subs when I click on a picture and bam, my dick goes limp. I'm staring at my cousin in a very seductive pose. I knew she was my cousin because you could see the tattoo of her son's name and birthday. It was a complicated feeling. At first I was annoyed that my wax session was ruined by running across a picture of my cousin and then it dawned on me the photographer didn't listen to her and must have published her photos anyway. So now things get more awkward cause now I have to call my cousin and tell her how I found her nude photos as I was masturbating. Not a conversation anyone would like to have with a blood relative but she had to know. So I called my cousin and informed her of what I saw. I sent her the links. I went to the local Facebook groups and left nasty reviews for him. My cousin didn't want her name out there saying nude photos have her existed so people could go out and find them. I then googled how to DMCA and sent in DMCA notices to the sites I could find that were hosting her photos. I also did a reverse image search and DMCA those as well. I taught my cousin how to do this herself. FYI DMCA works and none of the sites even argued with us. At this point someone PMs me an attorney's number. 
They tell me this attorney was an advisor to the revenge porn law bill that Arizona passed and that we should call the attorney. So I did. I explained the story to the attorney. I left out the my whacking of bit as I didn't feel that was relevant. The attorney then explained to me, because I wasn't the victim he couldn't really do anything until the victim contacted him, herself. So I went to my cousin, told her about this attorney and how she should go speak to the attorney. Now my cousin has a flaw in her personality. She's very quick to forgive. I tried my best to persuade her, but she said she felt the nasty reviews we had left and spreading the news was enough. Another 6 months pass and one day my cousin calls me again and says, you wouldn't believe which son of a bitch emailed me, being the quick thinker I'm I said, the photographer right, she said, yup, and I said, so how much money is he asking for now, she said he's asking for $10,000 to delete her photos and as compensation for the damages we caused to his business. Apparently people don't want to hire a photographer who publishes people's photographs that they paid him to take without their permission. I told it was time to call the attorney. She agreed. Let's skip ahead a year. Apparently said photographer had plenty of money to fight a legal battle long end of the story my cousin got him convicted for blackmail and revenge porn plus successfully sued him and got a civil judgment for a hefty sum of money. He's currently serving three years in an Arizona state prison. Granted after she got her civil judgment, he had basically sold everything he had, trying to stay out of jail, so it's unlikely she will ever be able to collect, but basically his future earnings now belong to her, as I understand it. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Asshole manager destroyed my childhood game store, so I got him fired. I judge card games from local to world championships. For several games, I was head judge at the world championships. The town I grew up in had a game store. It was ran by a husband and wife, and eventually their kids joined in on the fun. And it was a lot of fun. Every night there would be no tables open, and for bigger tournaments they would rent out vacant storefronts in the shopping center to fit everyone that would come. Eventually they moved the store to a bigger store, and it would just keep growing. Some that grew up in the area and played at the store eventually had kids of their own and they played in the store too. It became a tradition. This is the place that you took your kids to their first RPG game or where you buy them their first booster packs. The only Friday nights that this store would be empty was if there was a big football game at the high school. The reason the store was so popular was because of the couple. They were never flashy and they treated everyone as if they were the best player in the world. They'd give away free snacks, sodas, booster packs for every little occasion and sometimes just because. They were more than patient with players helping them build decks and helping people get better at the games. They also knew and were able to teach every game they sold in the store. I can walk in any day and there would be several RPG groups and rows after rows of people playing all sorts of games. Didn't matter if I bought anything or not, I can stay from open to close and not spend a dime, and they would still treat me like I dropped a million dollars. It was Nerdvana. 
It was also the store where I judged my first event after I got my initial certification. And the husband had me as a judge for almost every event and he would compensate me half a box of booster packs for the smaller events up to two boxes for bigger ones. For one really big release weekend he gave me six boxes of booster packs and paid me. His wife was equally amazing and loved her nerds, as she affectionately calls us, more than he did. She would bake cakes for birthdays. Every day for the week leading up to Christmas there would be a tin of cookies always stocked and baked the night before. If people got in a jam and needed a last minute sitter, they could leave the kids at the store and she would warn the parents she'll watch them, but she'll also teach them collectible card games. I think this is also why the store made so much money. There was a rumor the store actually belonged to her. Life happened and eventually I ended up living in a city about 3 hours away, and a few years ago, I heard the wife died, and the husband couldn't bear being in the store, because everything reminded him of her so someone else was running the store now. I planned on visiting the store, but being 3 hours away I just couldn't make a casual trip there as a round trip would be 6 hours. Around the middle of last year, the store announced they were going to host a major qualifying tournament. This generated a lot of buzz. People from all over the region were making plans to travel to it. I thought this would be a great time to visit the store, so I made plans to go. About two weeks before the event I got an email from the publisher asking me to judge the event. I thought this was odd, as for store level events the store fields the judges and the publisher doesn't get involved at all. Also, while there are a number of us judges, we are not so numerous that we don't know each other. So, I knew there was enough judges in the store's area that should be able to handle event. I wrote back saying, I was hoping to be able to play, but shouldn't there be judges in the area that would be able to do this? They wrote back, what there should be, but the store owner said he couldn't get anyone even with the list we sent him. Red flag. They ended with the email with, you should talk to the other judges from the area and see if you can more of the story. I wrote back with give me a few days to think about it, I immediately started contacting the judges in the area. They all told me the same story. The store was sold to a guy, and he was great, it was the manager, that was the problem. He was a judge as well, but he thinks he knew better than everyone else. The manager would override obviously correct ruling, because he was buddy with the person the judge ruled against. Apparently, this also happened at a major regional tournament. Now one of the reasons I judge instead of play is judges are pretty well compensated, now anyways, not just with booster box and our pay, but we also get some pretty sweet exclusive promise and swag. The sasshole manager was hoarding judges promise for himself. The judges found out about this after they went to a major event and another judge was talking about a sweet swag he got. The area judges put two and two together and realized what was going on. After this happened, judges that lived in the area all agreed they wouldn't judge under him ever again. This wasn't the worst of it, he would harass players, saying they can't bring any outside food or drinks. Tell them they have to buy products if they want to play in the store. He would harass the RPG players telling them they have no life and they are just wasting valuable time they could be using to play better games. Needless to say, people tried to avoid him. But as the owner would sometimes run the store himself, no one can be sure when the manager from hell would be around. I was livid. This was the store I grew up in. This was the store I learned to play and mastered all my favorite games. And this prick was killing the store. I started to formulate a plan. I wrote to the publisher and told them I'll do it. Also, what was the judge's swag for this event? 
they wrote back, really grateful as they would have had to pull the event if I didn't agree to it, and told me everything I would get for judging. They even told me they'll throw something in special for me for helping them out. I wrote back asking for a specific item. I knew that the asshat manager would definitely want, and I could use to trap him. The publisher wrote back saying, yes, they would include that in the tournament kit as well. The day of the event, I woke up at the ungodly hour of 5am, got ready and left the house at 7am, and made the 3 hour drive to my home store. I got there and there were already a line wrapping around the store. I said hi to people I knew from the store and those I met at larger events. It was like a mini homecoming. I walked in, and the new owner, the manager and two other judges was there, and went over the day, the manager started saying that he's a level mid-tier judge and that was the highest in the area right now, so he would be the head judge for the event and what he says is final. I told him that I was a higher tier judge, on top of that I had several advanced roles qualifications. He said I was bullshitting him until I showed him my certification. He said he's still head judge, because he was the manager of the store and people in the store respects his authority. I had to stifle a laugh. Then I told him before I start, I would like my judge's swag. Now normally I get this at the end of the event, because I don't want to carry it around all day. But given this guy's records I wanted to give this guy as little chance as possible to steal what was owed to me. He started hemming and hawing, and said he hasn't pulled the kit yet. I told him pull it, open it and give me my swag, or I will be walking away, and I tell the publisher and this tournament will be invalidated. The owner tried to reason with me, but I was firm, I hated doing this to the owner, he hasn't done anything wrong. From what I heard, he was trying to continue the traditions and practices the original owners established. But I knew I need to be an asshole to save this store's community from the manager. The manager finally came out and gave me my swag. I looked it over and I knew this wasn't everything that was promised to me. And I said as much, then I pulled the email from the publisher that listed everything I was supposed to receive including the special swag. The manager said he couldn't find it all and the owner begged me to wait until the end of the event so he can make it right. I stood firm and demanded my stuff. I listed everything, and this time I also listed the special item I requested from the publisher. The manager went pale. The owner looked at the manager and said, You said you got that. When you judged that big event a few months ago, I pulled up the email where I requested the item, and where the publisher it would be included and showed it to the owner. The owner exploded. He demanded to see the entire packing list for the kit, and sure enough my promised item was in there. Then I told the owner everything the other area judges told me, and the owner got redder and redder. Finally, I told the owner and manager that, unless I get the items I was promised by the publisher, I would call the police and report the theft, then walk out and make sure everyone outside knew what happened. The owner demanded the manager give me what was owed to me. He walked back and brought out everything that was listed in the email, plus the special item that was promised to me. The owner then fired the manager and apologized to me profusely for what just happened and asked me to please judge. I agreed started the tournament and apparently it was the best ran tournament the store had since the change of ownership. No one walked away complaining, all the rulings was fair and it even ended early. When I got home, I sent an email to the publisher with the tournament report as well as an explanation as to what happened.
I also sent a long email apologizing to the owner for my shitty behavior. The owner wrote back saying he understood why I did it, and he was actually grateful I was able to help him see the truth. The fallout. The asshole manager was stripped of his judge certification. Also the guys he tried to help cheat was given bans from the game. The owner hired one of the area judges to manage the store and it's slowly going back to what it was before the reign of asshole manager. In the grand scheme of things this wasn't some huge injustice that was righted, but this store is like family to me, and you don't mess with my family. Thank you for listening to Reddit Readings. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and leaving a rating. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.